This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's Friday again, and welcome to my show with me, Poppy Gibson. And very excited today because not only is it not raining, but I'm going to be joined by a very special guest this morning. We've got Mike Tolly with us to talk about outdoors education. Um, so I can see Mike is just entering the studio. Good morning, Mike. Hiya. Nice to be here. How are you today? Yeah, very good, thanks. In the middle of sports day. I mean, you're, you're getting a gold star for joining our radio show so effortlessly this morning. <laughs> <laughs> very impressed with that. So I can tell you're going to be a great guest already here on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, how's your week been, Mike? Tell us about it. Yeah, it's been good. We've... Um, just down at the Westminster Lodge in St Albans for our sports day today as well. So that's good. I so, love it. So you're joining mid-sports day. Yes, yeah, yeah. So if it gets a bit loud in the background, that's lots of lots of boys running around the track. <laughs> well, can I say I love the authenticity that, that you're here to talk to us about ad- outdoors education while you're outdoors. <laughs> yes, yeah, I thought that was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, great. Well, thanks for joining us, Mike. Uh, is it okay if I call you Mike? Yes, of course it is, yeah. Brilliant, thank you. Um, so just before I get you to introduce yourself, uh, we've kind of got an hour together this morning. I can see we've already got lots of listeners listening live. Um, and I'm here with Mike to ask him all about the world of outdoor education, speak about some of the experiences uh, that Mike is enjoying and that the, the people that he works with enjoy. And maybe to inspire some of us, whether you're listening live or listening back, about how we can really embrace outdoors education and not see it as an add-on but maybe see it as something interwoven uh, in our daily lives not just in our teaching but I'm, I'm have a feeling that Mike will inspire us to all get out a bit more this weekend as well <laughs> so uh, Mike let's begin if you can maybe please tell us about yourself maybe about your career your education background and and what your current role is at the moment please yeah so um, I suppose I've been been schools teaching since 98 so whatever that is about 25 years or so now um started out as geography teacher and then as as geography teachers do got sort of straight involved with the dv um and i've been working in that area ever since but i think it it started before that when i was a kid um essentially with the scouts and went mountaineering from an early age all over the UK and to Europe quite a few times. Um, so it, it was sort of only natural really then to go into the DOB. Um, and since then, probably taken upwards of 2,000 boys um, out on expeditions at bronze, silver and gold level. Um, wow. Wow. So, yeah. so Mike, for anyone listening who hasn't heard of the DOE before, can you maybe please just summarise that for us? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So it's the Duke of Ed- Edinburgh Award. Um, obviously, it was set up by uh, the Duke of Edinburgh you know, many years ago now. Um, four sections, four parts, sort of young people, basically, to sort of get out um, of their sort of comfort zone and, and do some activities. Um, and ironically, in the park I'm now sitting in, I can see a group of kids from another school going off on their expedition um, wow. at this very second as well. So, wow, in real time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, all going to Albans today. Um, <laughs> so, oh, yeah, a lovely and then, part of the world as well, Mike, for anyone who's not been to St Albans. So beautiful, isn't it? It's lovely, yeah. Yeah, very, very nice. Very lucky to live here. Um, so, Mike, I'm, I'm hoping uh, you're happy. I've, I've got kind of about eight, eight or so questions to ask you through the course of the morning. Um, yeah. First of all, though, I, I wondered just to zoom in on the Duke of Edinburgh Awards, which, which I know you've, you play a big part in. You said 2,000 boys you've helped to achieve their awards. Um, is that uh, an award that you yourself did when you were younger? No, that's that, in a sense, that's sort of the strange, almost a strange thing that uh, the school I went to um sort of down in Sussex they didn't actually do the DOV so essentially I'd never heard of it um as a school kid and then sort of got to hear of it a little bit more um then the school that I started at that I'm still at now um it's always been a really big part of the sort of, of what we do and the offer for the kids at the school and then as I say it sort of just naturally ended up going into it um 
doing the geography and my background of mm-hmm. being going out and doing it all it was sort of just natural progression really brilliant yeah you sound perfectly suited to uh, to run those hikes and expeditions <laughs> <laughs> um i myself actually did duke of edinburgh i only did the bronze award um but i remember it, it was such a great thing because you have to do something for the community isn't it i remember volunteering yes. at ymca and i think i had to learn a skill and i played yes, the that's right. at the time yes i remember my music yeah. teacher having to, <laughs> to sign i feel it was like a little navy book that they yes. had to sign each yeah, week that's right yeah, yeah. Re- really good and yeah, i suppose i don't know why i didn't do the silver and gold I mean, can you do it as an adult or it's only for young people um it's up to 25 um, oh. oh, I've ju- just so, missed yeah, it just... by a <laughs> Oh, wow, fantastic. Um, right, so let's plough on then. I know you've already told us a bit about your passion for the outdoors, but um, was this always something you knew you wanted to do or, or how did you kind of specifically get involved in the world of outdoor education? Um, again, it was obviously as a kid growing up, I loved it and, you know, sort of getting out, the walking, the climbing kayaking all those sorts of things but never sort of really could do it you know it was just sort of something you did for fun um and then as I say when I sort of got to the school Beryl and where I'm at um it's outdoor education has always been seen as sort of a big big deal for the boys um sorry I should say it's a boys school which is why I just say boys rather than boys and girls (laughs) I don't know if I've lost you there for, for oh, a second, Mike. Sorry. Sorry. So, yeah, it was just a part of the school. Um, and so just I sort of naturally got involved in it um, and, and took it from there. And we've got the DOV, um, our year sevens go up to the Lake District for a week and do outdoor activities up there. We take year nines away to a place, a little place called Blue Paris, which is in North Wales, um, which was started in about 2001 or two, I think, um, by, sort of, by a guy, Ross Morby, who joined us at the time. He was brilliant. Um, and it, it just carried on from there, really, over the last 20 years, going wow. here, there and everywhere. Brilliant. I mean, do you, are you quite happy in that role? Do you think you'd ever go back to not doing those roles? or? Um, I For a couple of years... Um, in my career, I, I was deputy head for a couple of years um, and I didn't get to do it. And it, it was something that I massively missed when you sort of see oh. the kids going out and, and the experiences that the kids get. And you're, as the leader, you're part of those experiences. And it's absolutely amazing for you as the leader and the teacher for the relationships that you build and those experiences. And that was, that was a massive sort of miss for me. Um, so restarting it. Um, again was just brilliant really good fun um, I, I love so that I love that it's yeah it's one of the best things that you could do I think and I think just for any specifically teachers listening but actually not just teachers um, I think that's really just good life advice from Mike there as well like follow your passion and I think in education you know, that's one thing we, we can do if we want to. The fact, I yes. can just imagine you when you said you're, you're a deputy, you know, I can just imagine you looking out your window and there are the boys packing their <laughs> rucksacks yeah. into the coach or whatever. And then, you know, realising what your dream is in education because there are so many different facets, aren't there? And just follow your dream, make it happen, change your yeah. pathway. So I love yeah. that you went back to outdoors education after that break. Yeah, because I think if you don't... Um you know it, it everything just passes you by doesn't it it's I've, you know obviously only, I've only ever really been in education and teaching and it doesn't feel like I started 25 years ago but wow. obviously I have you know and you think if you're not doing it you just miss out on on so much so yeah you've got to go and do what you love what you enjoy and if you can do that combining it with your work and your teaching then it's you know it's happy days isn't it Really good advice there. Yeah. And I know when we set the theme for the show today, for anyone who's just joining us, I see lots of new listeners just listening in. Um, the title of our show today is Learn It, Love It, Live It, uh, which comes from Mike's passion for outdoor learning. And I think sit back and relax because we're really going to draw on Mike's passion for, for Outdoors Edge this morning. Um, so my next question then, 
why though why should we bother with outdoor education maybe you could tell us a bit about some of the benefits um for children for teachers the benefits you yourself have noticed yeah i mean i think there's 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 so many um you know you could obviously you've got the physical side of it which is you know the the obvious one isn't it you know if you're out walking for three four five days in the mountains um you've obviously got to be fit healthy and you'll enjoy it and you'll get fitter and healthier but in particular i think the last couple of years um it's been you know so blatantly obvious in terms of you know our, for us as individuals and groups or our well-being uh, you know the, the mental health side of things just to be out um in nature you know Definitely. doing doing something you know like like i say at the moment i'm sitting in Verulanium Park and there's wow. probably you know 30 or 40 kids on the DV there's our school doing the sports day you know everyone else out walking the dogs that sort of thing and you know that hour for these people you know the mental health side the well-being get rid of stress depression you know anything yeah. like that it's just just phenomenal to do it um, and, and I can even hear in the background, you know, I'm yes. not hearing, I'm not hearing people misbehaving, crying. I'm here. I can hear like little whelps of joy in the background. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and there's no, you know, there's no cars, there's no trains, there's no. It's just, it's just people enjoying themselves, and you know, obviously my geography lessons are the best lessons that any of the kids ever sit through. Um, but you know they're going to enjoy themselves if I can get them outdoors doing something they're going to enjoy that far more they'll learn more if I do it properly um than being in the classroom it's you know there's that side then again you know what's important these days you know environmental concerns sustainability mm-hmm. you know where do you see that how can you you know show what's going on um you know than actually being outside and seeing you know where things are um you know so yeah physical mental sustainability and then like you know again on the dv one of the big things um is that you've got groups of teenagers that haven't got a phone um and they're having to talk to each other you know and and things like that and it's it's just so nice to see again this day and age kids sitting around trying to cook their dinner and actually having a conversation (laughs) with each other yeah you know it just doesn't you know i've got three kids myself and you know full well that you know given a given the choice they'll probably sit and play on their phone rather than you know going out and doing something for a bit of fun because it's easier for them definitely Um, and you know through no no fault of our kids own they've just been brought up haven't they with with these devices and it's just natural so that's why i think it's so exciting now it's almost like the unnatural thing is to go into these phone-free spaces and and even yesterday actually I was talking to one of my students who volunteers with the scouts and um she was saying they took them all out um kayaking on a lake last week but yeah the rule was no phones and she said it was just amazing that all in the kayaks at the end they all said oh should we all jump in and it was like half seven at night and I just thought wow like that just sounds crazy good yeah (laughs) yeah, it's brilliant making touch with nature again right yeah you know getting out there getting you know we teach about nature and how important it is but until you're out there you can't really appreciate it can you you know that mm-hmm. between you know sort of I suppose our academic side of life but then the natural side and you know what's important unless you're out there why why are you going to sort of believe that x y or z is important unless you actually can see it and feel it you, you just sort of can't get that same appreciation until you're out there can you amazing I'm sure everyone listening now is just looking like earnestly out of their window <laughs> just look, looking forward to, to get out there later but uh amazing Mike don't get anywhere I'm just going to play uh the ads from our sponsors and be back in one minute it, it's time for a fresh start to language learning Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. 
Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. And welcome back. Welcome all the brand new listeners who I can see that are joining to the Friday morning break here on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Poppy Gibson, and our very special guest, Mike. Hello, Mike. Hiya. Uh, and I realised I didn't mute you during the ads, but I, again, I quite liked hearing the little welts <laughs> of joy from the boys in the background enjoying their sports day. So, and I, I thought that was quite nice as we're here to talk about outdoors ed today uh, to, to continue to hear that soundtrack in the background. <laughs> um, so before the break there, we were, we were thinking about the benefits of outdoor education. And my next question really as an adult who is leading these activities, and I know you've touched on this briefly, but what do you really get out of the experience, Mike? I think, again, it's essentially every time you come out, you get the same, same as the kids. You know, you're out in nature, you're, you're doing the kayaking or the, the climbing and, and all the rest of it. And it's, again, you get the exercise, you get the, you know, the mental strength, the, you know, the social skills that you so you get all those shared experiences and then on top of that the situations that you'll find yourselves in either with you know your, your fellow leaders the adults that shared experience of um you know again being on the trip um i've done 20 odd years of ski trips you know those wow. those experiences um with them i mean i've been i've been very lucky being in st albans in that you know being able to run lots of trips Mm -hmm. so back in 2005 I ran the first school DV trip over to New Zealand we went down under for five weeks wow Um, and and that was amazing and since since then obviously the kids I say kids you know they're now early 30s um and they're now people I keep in touch with you know they're you know one of them um is a good friend he came back to the school as a teacher went to his wedding you know all this sort of stuff and I think that's very very lucky you know for me in in the position and the location that those sorts of trips could run Mm -hmm. but you know to sort of essentially sort of see literally see someone grow up from a 12 year old who was in my form um you know then I was his head of year comes on the trip and then you stay in touch he comes back becomes a teacher ran the DV for a bit wow. you know go to his wedding it's just it, it's just amazing it's hard to put it into words how much mm. that can actually mean to you when you've got those experiences and that there's absolutely no way I would have had that if it hadn't been the link from from all the outdoor stuff that we did together that's incredible and I, and I think any teachers listening Mike will agree that it's only when we often take our children out of the classroom that we get to know them on that deeper level isn't it and, and yes. build those really meaningful connections because they're not worried about if they've got the right answer in their their workbook but it, you're having these these different conversations and the yes. freedom that that brings yeah. is just so yeah. important isn't it and see it's, it's particularly with outdoor um, outdoor ed where everyone is out of their comfort zone so you know we we all know that the sorts of sporty kids you know who are great you know rugby football but then put them at the top of a 50 meter abseil 30 meter abseil and they're the same as as anyone else and to get you know them through those situations is brilliant Oh, wow. Absolutely incredible. So also, I want to just tap uh, your, your experience there. You mentioned New Zealand as one of the real highlights. 
Have there been, in the midst of those 20 years, uh, any real low moments or, you know, tell us about any gory accidents? <laughs> <laughs> any, anything, you know, surely there must be a darker side yes. outdoors there. Yeah, oh yeah, the reason I, no, no, the reason I think it's, what's important is, you know, as, as just as an adult, as a person, that you can accept you're going to have some absolutely amazing experiences, but you're also going to have you know things that aren't great that you are concerned about and worried and you have to plan for that so that when it does go wrong you can deal with it because as you say things do happen um you know what on that actually on that trip to New Zealand one of the boys got ill on the plane was in hospital for two days and was on a drip um oh my gosh you know, and, and so that was, I was, what was I? I was 29 years old when I started the trip. Um, it was my birthday when we were away. Oh, and, wow. you know, and you're sort of dealing, sort of thinking, oh, what are we going to do? Um, but you just, you just sort of deal with it because you've done the training. Um, you know, you know something might happen. Mm-hmm. You've got your, con- your emergency contacts and so on, um, you know, or... You know, ski trips, someone, you know, beginner um, got spiral fracture of their lower leg on the first day. And oh, you just, no. you know, you oh, just, so what just deal with it. what happens in that situation? Do you have to try and get them home early or do they stay and enjoy? No, in, yeah, they stayed in the in this case of skiing. Um, the lad, he stayed with us and, you know, you just, you do as much as you can so that they can enjoy themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which essentially is feeding them hot chocolates um and chips at the at the little restaurants and so on I mean um, that sounds like my ideal holiday I'm not going to you know it's, it's a nice place to be if all you can do is sit around um but yeah you know it, it is a problem but again um it, it is just a case of you know this might happen but um you know I'm sure it was Lord of the Rings or something like that you know they're when Bilbo's talking about stepping out of his front doors, it's a dangerous world. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know, you could, I cycled here this morning. I could have been, you know, run over and knocked off my bike yeah. so many times. You just, you do, you do everything that you can in your training, risk assessment, first aid, um, and, and just make sure you're ready. And then if it does, you know, it does, doesn't it? That's, that's part of life. And again, that's exactly. part of the experience isn't it of you know it just makes you appreciate the next time when it is you know when nothing bad does happen you appreciate it even more um than when you are having to deal with things but as exactly. I say, that... and I think as a teacher I mean I remember every day going in school like you're just thinking the worst could happen <laughs> there could be a freak accident you yeah. know you, you do so you kind of I think as a teacher you're already always braced for something to happen anyway aren't you because you you know you're bearing that responsibility yeah and I think the other thing that I try to do which I hope doesn't sound wrong is you I try and put all of that to the back of my mind and you just have to almost forget what you're doing so that you can enjoy it you know because like I say you've done done the training you've got all your risk assessment sorted you know everything if you still go out there worried then something probably will happen rather yeah. than doing that and enjoying it um and I think the other side the a lot of what you do as a teacher or, or for me anyways we go to for instance the this centre blue Paris in in North Wales which if anyone wants an outdoor place for a week it's absolutely amazing um but you go there and the instructors are just so brilliant that even when you're, you know, we do some co-steering and sea level traversing, which is sort of climbing along the cliffs, um, sort of sideways, jumping in at various points. Wow. It's, it is, it's almost so safe because of the way that the ropes are set up, you're tied in, that, you know, you've got everything, that the actual level of risk is so low, it's probably more risky driving the minibus from the centre to the car park you know when when you're not in control these guys are just in control all the time that it's it's a perceived risk rather than an actual risk Mm -hmm. um and then you're just 
you're enjoying it and loving loving life with them wow and and just making those moments that you remember for a lifetime as well isn't it yes yeah yeah you know and again my boys went through the same school that I taught at you know and did all the trips and you know they still still sort of talk about some of the things now um which obviously worries me a bit when I was the leader on a couple of trips and some of the stories that come out you don't know about until later but um again that that's all part of it isn't it exactly exactly so um maybe just before we we head for the news mike you've mentioned north wales that you love new zealand are there a couple of other real like beautiful places for us to put on our outdoor education maps like a couple of other places you you could really recommend with a great view yes without without sort of sounding um silly or cocky or whatever i've done we've did with dv we went to corsica um, and we did the northern part of what's called the GR20, which is one of the sort of the long distance um, mountain walks, which was that was absolutely wow. phenomenal. Um, and then had a couple of days in Calvi, which is sort of lovely mm-hmm. little sort of village there. Um, where else? Norway was phenomenal. We went there and had absolutely amazing weather. Um, wow. So, yeah, that, that was pretty good experiences. I think they would definitely be the top places for me. Um, Amazing. Then, so, so I'm seeing now that the adult perks. Now we talk more about yes. the places you <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, and we're, we're next in, in two weeks, two weeks' time. Um, I'm off to Slovenia with the wow. DME to do some walking in the Alps there. So that should be pretty good. How um, many boys are you taking on that trip? There's 14 on that one, um, yeah. two staff. I was going to say, yeah, how, how many staff? Is there like a ratio that you have to meet? Or Yes, yeah. I mean, you sort of, you try, we try and do sort of around one to eight. But then, okay. as well as the two of us, um, I've got a guide, two guides are coming along as well. So there's 14, 14 boys, and then I've got essentially four adults okay. as well. So, yeah, we're, we're very lucky in that respect on this trip. Yeah, so I mean, it sounds like you'll you'll have the other adults to share the load. So I guess that was yes. something I thought might be worrying, but it sounds like yeah, the ratios are quite good. Yeah, it, I mean, again, it it can be. It's, it, you know, part of your planning is always to make sure that if you know, so with on this trip, there's fourteen. If one boy gets hurt or injured, then one of the one of us will go with him. That still leaves three with the other yeah. thirteen, and so on. Um, and then you obviously hope that you can go for long enough before you need any more help than you've got staff left for. So it um, normally works out quite well. I haven't had any issues. Oh, gosh. Beyond. Wow. Counting down the days till you head to Slovenia. I hope yes. you have an amazing yeah. time. You have to yeah, come back and wait. update us in the future. <laughs> <laughs> or take me with you in your suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing. amazing so mike we're just gonna uh, head for the news and the two minute tech now and we'll be back with you in about eight minutes okay brilliant <laughs> speak to you soon mike it's Cheers. time for a fresh start to language learning Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio news the universities and colleges employers association ucea 
is playing down the impact a marking boycott is having on students. This is the view of the University and College Union, according to a report on the BBC. The UCEA represents 144 institutions and has released a survey which suggests most student graduations are not being affected by the boycott. This is contrary to the UCU view that this survey accounts for fewer than half of universities. Some students have graduated without their final marks, whilst others have seen graduations delayed. The boycott is part of a long-running dispute over paying conditions, which has been previously reported on Teachers Talk Radio News. Many students have complained about the lack of communication around the impact of the boycott from their universities, whilst others highlight the fact that it is coming at the end of an already fragmented experience of university brought about by the impact of the pandemic. Whilst the UCEA survey suggests that the impact on students is different in each university, its chief was keen to say it showed that the majority of students were not facing a graduation without their final marks, although Raj Jethwa was quick to point out that this would be little comfort to those who were affected. The industrial action in the higher education sector is just part of a wider action being taken by those in education. But Sky News and other outlets reported that PM Rishi Sunak could be considering a block on recommendations by peer review bodies from across the public sector. The teaching peer review body presented its recommendations to ministers and it is expected to be published next month. Leaked reports suggest it could be a proposal of 6.5%. Government sources deny the claims made originally in the Times, but stated that pumping money into the economy risks fueling inflation. In an editorial in The Guardian, recruitment and retention problems were highlighted again, with some alarming figures suggesting that one in four new teachers leave the profession within three years. The piece goes on to cite the huge range of issues that schools deal with, including sexual harassment and bullying, as well as home circumstances and their effects. This view was further emphasised this week with a report from The Observer focusing on the stresses being placed on pupil referral units. The units cater for children who have been excluded from mainstream schools. But leaders are now saying they are full to bursting because of unprecedented levels of behaviour incidents in schools. Data suggests that permanent exclusions are rising after a brief lull on the return to school after the pandemic. The former Children's Commissioner Anne Longfield says in the report that schools are buckling under the pressure of children with complex needs and cites cuts to public services, leaving a lack of support in its wake. She called the situation a disaster for vulnerable children. A former head teacher of a PRU instruction on Tees said she had dealt with children spitting, kicking and swearing. Her school had previously tried to take children on short outreach programmes, but now this was impossible due to overload. Finally, the BBC features calls by EastEnders actress Rose Ailing Ellis for sign language lessons to be made freely available to those who need them, including parents and carers of deaf children. The British Sign Language user says she cannot believe that some parents and guardians of deaf children have to pay for tuition. The cost of an accredited course can be anywhere between £200 and £700. Martin McLean, Senior Policy Advisor at the National Deaf Children's Society, says funding is inconsistent and a postcode lottery with some local authorities funding it, whilst others don't. Spokesmen for leaders across all four home nations have made statements in support of improving access to BSL, but only the Welsh Government says it is already included in the curriculum for schools. In 2022, the British Sign Language Bill was passed, recognising BSL as an official language, and the Department for Education in England says it is working towards a BSL GCSE which should be available from September 2025. A spokesperson for the Scottish Government has said that its teaching council is working with the University of Edinburgh on the development of an undergraduate degree in primary education and BSL. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to discuss tech that will help you battle one of the worst things that can possibly happen in school, the summer. 
Nothing is worse than melting all day while trying to deliver lessons. Yet, we all have to suffer it. Let's see what tech has to offer you. Through searching the web, I found a few cool gadgets. Pun totally intended. Started with the cheapest, a neck fan. It looks like an 80s pair of headphones around your neck. Rechargeable with different speed settings. It's got some decent reviews and at £14, may be worth a try. Although high settings have more noise, so it might not be great for quiet times. For £20, you can get a personal air cooler. This has a tank of water, so not only fans you, but uses the water to super cool the air. Nice. £29 gets you a waist fan. Clip it onto your belt, or use the belt supplied and it blows up your shirt. Again, rechargeable and you can choose a front or back position. As with the previous though, noise may be a problem. Next, staying with the fan idea, for £79 you can get a cooling vest. This is a vest filled with fans, not unlike those you see on novelty inflatable fancy dress suits. The fans pass cool air over you and you stay cool. Again, noise is a factor here though. If you're willing to splash out for a hundred pounds, how about a cooling vest with elements instead? Basically, it looks like an FBI bulletproof vest you see on TV, filled with reusable ice packs. It's obviously very quiet, however, will make squeezing through tight spaces a little more difficult. Also, preparation is needed as the packs will need to be frozen overnight. In conclusion, fans are the cheapest way to go and you look like you're standing in hero wind, but noise is a factor. Vests may keep you cool, but you certainly will not look it. I suppose you could always try sticking an ice pack in a plastic bag and putting it in your pocket. What do you do to stay cool? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Well, welcome back, everybody, and you're here on the Friday morning break with me, Poppy Gibson, and our very special guest, Mike, to talk about outdoors education. Now, Mike, I don't know what you thought of that fan vest. Might that be useful for Slovenia? Is it going to be sunny? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope it will be. Need to get you a fan vest. <laughs> <laughs> no, always excited to hear what our two-minute tech brings us. Um, so before the break there, we were asking Mike about why he loves outdoor education so much. And we really touched on both the, the kind of physical benefits and the mental benefits as well um, that it can bring, not just for the pupils and students, but for the teachers. So I've got a few more questions for you, uh, Mike. But just before, so we've had a question in from one of our listeners from Paul. So I'm just going to ask that to you, if that's OK, or, or just bring, it's not really a yeah. question, just more like a comment. Um, so welcome, Paul, who's listening in. Uh, and welcome, everybody who's listening. But Paul has typed in our chat this morning, my head teacher has just approved a company to set up orienteering equipment around school grounds to use in every subject. I'm hoping this is worth it, as it seems a lot of money. Uh, what, what's your kind of response to that, Mike? Is that going to be a good use of money? I think I, I saw that as well. Yeah, I think I mean, anything. The, the key here is what's the purpose as as the school? What what do you want to get out of the activities? Is it um you know simply orienteering for the sake of orienteering is it to get the kids active are you going to sort of use it in um other other subjects etc because depending on on what your purpose and what the objective is is going to influence on a you know is it a success and then b that will answer your the final question is it worth the money because you know, essentially, in terms of value for money, it's what you want to get out of it, isn't it, that will determine whether or not, you know, you as a school, the kids actually get value out of it. Um, I think it is the key thing. So just just being given it, um, you know, in its own right, you know, no, probably that might not be value for money. But if you've got it, if as the school, they've got it well planned into the curriculum, you know, across subjects, etc. Then, you know, yes, it it will definitely add value to you know to PE to the social skills, you know, mm -hmm. communication, um, etc. So I think you've, you know, in in terms of any outdoor ed, it's you know plan it carefully, think what you want to get out of it, and once you've got that sorted, you can decide if it if it works or not. And then, if it doesn't, why didn't it? what would you change the same same almost as as any other aspect of the curriculum mm -hmm. 
no really good advice and I think um I think Mike that's true of anything we do in our school yes. isn't it sometimes yeah. we throw money at things well not us personally as the <laughs> teachers uh, but sometimes money is thrown at things that haven't always been planned and I, and I think um Paul maybe Paul you're going to be a future guest for me we'll get you on and maybe Mike will come back and, um, My dog's agreeing with that idea. Um, and hopefully we could, uh, you know, talk about whether it was money well spent. So into my next question then, which leads on nicely, Mike. Um, how would you go about setting up running outdoor ed? What, so yeah. for anyone who's listening that's keen, talk to us about that. Yeah, I think, again, you know, sort of that, that little example there helps massively because the key has got to be what, what are your objectives? What is it you want to get from um your your goal your program is it to get kids engaged in outdoor education do you want them um be doing x y and z so think about what your purpose is and then once you've got that you can start to research it you can plan out exactly what you want to do in turn that will straight away lead into the idea of staffing where you're going to go who's going to help um and and then again i think if it's if it's someone essentially that's sort of new to the idea of outdoor education just plan it as, as you would um you know it's it's just the scheme of work the only difference is it might be outdoors um you know so in you know in simple terms i suppose in english if you're looking at what books you're going to use here you might just look at what area of the outdoors am I going to go to? Is it, you know, and then once you've, you've got your planning in place, as I say, you'll start to look at mm -hmm. who, uh, who's going to help you. Because again, for me personally, it's, it's not something that I run every single activity myself. It's a case of, I know what I want to do. Um, who, who's going to run that for me? Say for instance, the Slovenia trip, um, there's two what's called international mountain leaders who are coming on the trip with us who you know in, in terms of their field and their expertise are you know sort of the top of their game um, you know and then that takes away some of my risk as well because I've got people that are so good at what they do so it, it's a case of like I say going back and you know Paul's example is a great one um, you know what's the purpose what do I want to achieve? What do I want the kids to achieve? Then you can look at where that's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and look at what your review is going to be after you've done all that to see was it a success and, and who was it a success for? Yeah, that's really wise. And I think um, for any teachers listening, you know, we know it's all got to be about the outcomes, hasn't it? And at university level, we talk about everything being about impact. So I guess, yeah. you know, it's not just thinking, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> Obviously, we yes. want things to be fun as well. But but I guess what is that bigger impact? What is that kind of lifelong impact that that could potentially have? Isn't yes. It? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's you know, particularly in, in outdoor ed, um, I suppose a, a lot of the the other side of it that we sort of mentioned it is um, I don't know if it's still called if they're still called soft skills, but it is those the communication skills the leadership you know getting out of your comfort zone and and looking at those in terms of the impact you might not necessarily see straight away on that trip you might see it in you know a year's time two years time and and then conversations with the kids you can sort of trace things back to where they first started to think about other people you know if someone like I say is at the top of an abseil and doesn't want to go down it you know how do you encourage them to do that or or what and it, it's again as you say that's all part of the success and measuring it in maybe in different ways to the sort of obviously the traditional academic subjects mm -hmm. fantastic thank you mike that's a really good answer to that question um so i guess now the next thing i want to ask you is picking up on those perceived difficulties and I'll be honest I heard you mention some words in there that us listening uh, might be a bit nervous about when we hear risk assessment yes <laughs> but I'm guessing that needs to be a, a big part of it so my next question for you Mike is how do you overcome the perceived difficulties of outdoor ed and I know you've kind of mentioned some of them but 
kind of tell us a bit more about that, please. Yeah, I think, I mean, essentially, it's a case of, you know, don't be afraid of it. You know, like we've mentioned, things go wrong. Um, but, it, you know, that's, that's life, isn't it? And it's what we do about it. We don't not do something because, because of that. So you just have to plan it. And as long as you plan um, and you've got experts, you've got people in to help you, then everything will be as safe as it, as it possibly can. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so again, I think risk assessments or risk management plans, I think sort of a lot of places use, use now. That's all part of your planning. It's part of your thinking. Um, you, just, you just go through it and it does help, you know, if you're looking at doing X, Y or Z, if you're thinking in advance about what the dangers might be or the, the risks, then you can get those out of the way for, you know the safety and enjoyment of everyone so it it's i think it in a sense it has got a bit of a bad press because you know we as, as adults you think oh i don't need to do that but you know we do for this because of the places we're going there's there's also so much support that you can get it's not a case of having to start from scratch you know within our school setting we do do a lot of trips in general, because they are so well valued by you know the staff and students and the parents, and you know we all the leaders of all various trips will generally you know we'll talk to each other about you know what have you got on that risk assessment, what have you got, how can we you know improve it. So it, it's not you're not doing anything together. Um, you know, if you're in isolation, then the same with anything, it's difficult, isn't it? But you know, work with other people that have been there and done it. And you'll get loads more help um, than you think. And That's as I such say, good advice. Yeah, I think as teachers, you know, things can seem overwhelming, but always reach out to your teacher network. There's probably someone who's done it before, isn't there? Yes, yeah, happy exactly. To or, or adapt, and particularly in risk assessments, it's always nice to not start from scratch. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Start starting those from scratch is is so difficult because it even the terminology sometimes it's you know what's what's your risk how do you reduce it and um you know all these sorts of phrases can be a bit daunting but you know as you say you can guarantee in in a school setting someone somewhere will have done it whether it's someone that you would expect or you know it could be the least you know person least expected has been on the ski trip before or or run a trip somewhere and can help out you just you look people out and you find them yeah just just ask around great advice um mike i just want to give a shout out to alan who's listening in hi alan he's uh tweeted a comment for you um he also noticed that he heard my dog joining in with the show. Sorry, sorry about that, Mike. Um, and Alan says, outward bound schools are very educational. They give leadership and understanding of working together. Um, I'm guessing you're, you're agreeing with Alan's comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. At, <laughs> and, and at every single level, um, you know, you'll, you'll see that from you know, in terms of the staff, the leadership of the school, appreciating and understanding what impact it will have on the kids, um, you know, all the way through to, you know, in, in the past four weeks now, I think I've done, taken 80 boys out on bronze expeditions. Wow. You know, and, and some of them, you know, the leadership that they've shown, um, you know, just to get out of the campsite is you know, for a group of teenage boys on a, on a Saturday morning, um, you know, this lot were up at five o'clock on the Saturday morning so they could be out by seven and, and finish by one. You know, they'd got it all planned, um, which was, was nice at one o'clock. I wasn't quite so happy at five o'clock in the morning when they were getting up. That wasn't, wasn't quite so much fun. I wasn't so impressed at that point. Um, but yeah, and it's, you know, how else, when else do you learn what it is to sort of be a leader unless you are in a group situation and you've got to lead it um you know you you can't you just can't get that can you You can't buy it or or be taught it you've got to experience it it. yeah and i and i think that's a really good point actually um kind of from alan's comment there that you you do see the children come into their own when they're in that different situation like you know in the classroom you try and do i don't know debate club and you try and want to see them be the leader, but it's not the same as 
I don't know, create a raft yeah. with your group and they've got some milk cartons and rope. Like it's a yeah. very different leadership situation, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Something sort of yeah. so much out of their comfort zone and, you know, probably our comfort zone as the leaders, the teacher or whatever to see them succeed. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they'll take that forward to the next challenge that they get, won't they? Whether that's, um, you know, on that particular trip or back at school, you know, is it going to be when they're playing, you know, cricket, football, whatever, um, you know, they're going to have to show that leadership. It might be in a different style and a different format, but they know sort of what process mentally, even if it's subconsciously, they'll go through that um, and sort, you know, sort out the situation that they find themselves in. Exactly. Thank you for that, Mike. Um, so we're kind of entering into the last 10 minutes of the show. Um, I've just got two more questions for you, if that's OK. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've spoken a lot around the things you're currently doing in outdoor education. I'm really interested to ask you, moving on, how would you personally like to see outdoor education develop? I think, I mean, if I had a choice um, and I could sort of change everything, I would, I'd love to see it as a part of every young person's entitlement. So that just as in you know, primary, secondary school, you know, there's the entitlement to the national curriculum in English, math, science, um, obviously geography, top of the list as well. But then, mm-hmm. you know, there should be an entitlement, you know, somehow in a, you know, in a miracle world that they can go to an environment that they're not used to so that, you know, kids from, from you know, inner city that, you know, haven't been to one of the national parks can go to a national park so that kids from, mm-hmm. you know, that are in the national parks can go and do some outdoor ed, um, you know, down in London or Manchester or an environment that they're not comfortable in it should it should be available for everyone you know not not just in the places where you've got teachers or schools that appreciate and understand it and then mixed in with that you know the the other elephant in the room is obviously the cost of it isn't sometimes the cheapest um, activity in the world so it's like I say in, in the ideal world I'd love to see everyone with the chance um, you know to get out there and do it and again you know some of it doesn't have to be massively expensive either it might take a little bit more thought to do something in different circumstances but I just I'd love to see something available to everyone um I mean, I'm pretty sure I mean, how... orienteering. Sorry. Yeah, and I, and I, I love this, Mike. I love this dream. I love this vision. <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing, how would that work? So, like, inner city schools, because I know, like, a couple of schools I've visited that are really in it in a London, for example, yeah. their playground is, like, a postage stamp. So, like, how could we potentially yes. see that work for maybe schools that don't even have grounds? Yeah, I, I think that's where it might be a case of more of sort of school partnerships developing more, you know, okay. who, who has got the space. And again, um, you know, what, what public spaces are there? You know, how can they be better utilised for schools, um, you know, in terms of, you know, um, Hampstead Heath, you know, what, what are the opportunities there for, um, you know, having some orienteering courses, set up in in those sorts of locations i mean these it, it's no point to deny it the challenges would be absolutely massive but i think it's like anything if there's a will then there, there could be a way in individual circumstances um but i think it would need you know more of a push um onto schools to do it because it is essentially I think in most places it's still sort of seen as an extra to the curriculum rather than the entitlement and so if it's something that's difficult to push it won't be pushed Um, you know how could technology be used a bit more um, in, in you know in terms of sort of geography like GIS systems or um you know ai technology those sorts of things can we get get those into it to bring you know if we can't take kids to the outdoors 
you know, is is a first step bringing the outdoors to the kids. Can we get them yeah. excited about it that way? We're and doing that then, Everest walk on the uh, virtual reality glasses. Yeah. That's yes. Yeah. You know, think cool, things like that to see just to see what's going on. And then that might start you know, increasing the interest and then it could develop further from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, can you imagine if you, know, you had every single kid having the opportunity to, you know, go and do some some walking somewhere, whether it's in the mountains or, you know, through a park or, or something like that, you know, just somewhere out of their comfort zone would, would just be tremendous for them, wouldn't it? Incredible. And, and I know the first thing that my children always want to do, because um, I've got three just like you, Mike, uh, the first thing they want to do when I pick them up is like that, can we go to the park? Can we go to the playground? Like, they don't yeah. want to come straight home and, and you know, be, be back indoors. They want to be outdoors. And so, and particularly for children who might not have gardens, who might not even have a balcony, yes. to, to get to spend more time outdoors as part of that school timetable is, is so valuable. But I think you're right. I think it comes down to two big things, funding and planning and and also that pressure we're still seeing for you know getting the exam results uh yes, yeah, SATs yeah. at primary or GCSE and actually you know do do leaders want to give time yes. uh, to being outdoors which they might not see the benefits as opposed to getting it you know a better number on your GCSE um I guess there's always going to be that tension isn't there but I agree with you I mean I think the, the benefits outweigh uh any other benefits you can see of anything academic um and i've just got one final question for you mike if that's okay oh um oh you're back with us um so so mike one last question just before we finish um i I really love your idea that everyone gets to do outdoor learning and actually coincidentally my middle child today has got forest school um so i'm guessing you you know about forest schools for anyone listening who doesn't they're where um schools they're normally schools that do have their own kind of grounds um and my son's school's got like a nice outdoor area and what they're doing for it is they're actually getting a a forest schools teacher to come in uh for their session you know and teach them to make a den make a campfire my my um not complaint because i love the school and everything about it but his forest school timetable is three Fridays in the school year. So it was, it was the two last Fridays uh, after lunch and today after lunch. So, I, and he has been the most excited he's ever been on, on the last three Fridays, you know, getting his yeah. bug spray. He, I think he feels like he's going on jungle expedition. Like he's got his jungle roll on uh, spray and his suntan lotion. And yeah, and yeah. All, but all the kids, like there's a real buzz when I took him to school this morning, you know, they're all there in their outdoor learning clothing rather than uniform. They're yes. all absolutely buzzing. Um, but you know, three Friday afternoons of a year, like, is that enough? <laughs> I guess yeah, not. I mean, I, I suppose it, it's, it's no, I mean, it, it's probably not, is it? But it, it's what you can, what can you do? Where do you start something from? Um, you know, if, if it can get bigger for next year's kids, might not be good for yours, obviously, but if the school can start to develop it further, then they can see the importance of it. They'll start to see the change in the students and, the, you know, the kids, etc. won't they? Um that would all be brilliant, yeah. I think. So, oh, watch, watch this space. We'll have to get the children doing the petition. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Mike. So, um, yeah. it brings us to the uh, the final minute. I just wondered if you if you're happy for any of our listeners to kind of connect with you. Are there, are there any platforms that I think you're happy to share where they can find you? Yeah, anything. I mean, they, the the Twitter. Um, address is out there isn't it i think if anyone yeah, wants I know you're, you're tagged in with the post so anyone listening yes. jump on my twitter you'll see mike tagged <laughs> yes, yeah essentially yeah uh, you know i mean I, I, would, I wouldn't claim to be an expert i'd claim to be someone that's sort of been there and done it um you know probably made lots of mistakes but i think that's how we learn a lot of the time um so yeah if anyone does want to get in touch feel free that'd be great Brilliant. Thank you, Mike. So it just ends now. I can't believe we're at the end of the show. I feel like this flew by. Um, and for anyone listening, hearing the fun going on in the background of, of Mike's microphone, that's the sports <laughs> day. So again, we appreciate your dedication. That's no, <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we've um, just gone to the 100 metres now, so it's even noisier. Wow. And hopefully there's a teacher's <laughs> race coming up too. <laughs> that would be good. I'd quite like. <laughs> uh, so Mike, yeah, I, just, I just really want to thank you. It's been great fun talking to you it's today. Really pleasure. inspiring. And um, 
yeah re- really good and hopefully we'll see you back on the show one day in yes, the future definitely. that'd be great <laughs> all right you take care mike and enjoy the weekend lovely thanks for having us thanks thanks mike and to all our listeners uh listening live or listening back thanks for joining me poppy gibson and i'll be back with you soon with another exciting guest take care and enjoy the weekend you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio